So to Leland's point, Dad uh, is normally teaching. I'm substituting for him. He and Mom, as well as Kate, are in Houston visiting with my brother and sister-in-law. So um, you get the second string tonight, unfortunately. Um, so if everybody would like to, you can turn to, to Numbers chapter 16. We're going to be looking, as the slide said, um, this account, the first half or so of chapter 16, uh, the rebellion, Dathan and Abiram. Um, but before we did that, I thought it would be good to kind of take a step back and, and think about for just a second or two uh, where we are within the book of Numbers and what we've already covered. Um, so we started out, and this is just obviously a high level of the different chapters that, that Dad has covered through this quarter. Uh, numbers one, we looked at um, the census being taken and talked about that a little bit. Um, in between numbers one and number six, we see a, a, a lot of different information around how the tribes are organized, the organization of the people, the tribes, the priests, that type of information. Uh, then we touched on numbers chapter 6 around the Nazarite vow and, and in that, that chapter 5 through 10 or so um, is really around worship, uh, separation, sanctification of the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, as well as some other guidance from, from God around the way things should function. Um, then in chapter 13, uh, the spies were sent into the land to uh, give an account. Leading up to chapter 13, though, you see a number of failures on the, the route, the route to, to Kadesh. And then, like I said, in 13, the spies, 10 of the spies bring back the bad report. And that leads to uh, chapter 14 and, and the beginning of the wandering and, and some of our discussion last week around Caleb. Uh, so in 14, we see Moses interceding uh, for the people petitioning God, uh, and then God's judgment. Um, verse uh, Chapter 15, actually, last week is where we talked about the Sabbath law and the, the uh, account of the, the individual picking up sticks and the punishment, the stoning that, was, um, that God uh, gave as the punishment for, for that. So, but also in, verse, in chapter 15, we see, if you read it, um, some instruction around those who intentionally break the law versus those who unintentionally. And I think it's interesting, as you read through 15, it talks about unintentionally breaking the law and, and what needs to be done. And then it talks about those who intentionally break the law. And then that leads straight into this account of the man picking up sticks. And I think there's probably something to that as far as that intentional and then leading into that. Um, and then that leads us into to chapter 16. Uh, where we're going to look at Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and really their rebellion. Um, but before we go there, I think you, we've, if we take a step back again and think about rebellion as a whole, you think about what we know about the children of Israel. Uh, and since, since they were led out of Egypt, um, I, I would say that there's probably been a track record of rebellion, of, of grumbling, um, since they left Egypt. Almost immediately after leaving Egypt, it began um, at, at the um, Red Sea being backed up. Uh, they started complaining. They started um, criticizing Moses, um, suggesting that they were led to their doom. Then they complained about water. When the water was given, they complained about food. When food was given, they complained that it wasn't the right food. They wanted different food. So 
the point is, is they continued that whole idea, that whole track record of grumbling and complaining. And so this, this story with Cora, Datham, and Byram is not anything new. Um, it, unfortunately, it's kind of that broken record that we, we've seen with, with the nation of Israel since they left. Um, so when we think about it, and let's go back to chapter 14 just for a second, just to realize that, that this chapter 14 where the spies were sent in, um, then if we look in verses 2 through 4, um, all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would we have died in this wilderness? And why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Um, so you see them complaining and grumbling, obviously, when they're faced with this challenge. Um, in, in verse 26 of that same chapter, um, chapter 14, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? Heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me, saying to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I'll surely do to you. Your corpses shall fall in the wilderness." even all your numbered men according to your complete number from 20 years old and upward. So that's what's led us to this point. Um, we got to realize that obviously we talked last week about um, this, the count of the individual picking up sticks, but fairly soon after this punishment that had been levied by the Lord on them uh, for their, their unfaithfulness, for their unbelief in, in his power, uh, this is where we are now, uh, leading up into Korah's rebellion. Um, I think it's interesting also if we go back to four, uh, chapter 14. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't put it in here. But in verse 40 through 41, and reading through to prepare, prepare for this lesson, so God told them they're going to die in the wilderness. But then in verse 40, after that, that um, punishment was given by the Lord, they wake up. So in verse 40 of chapter 14, In the morning, however, they rose up early and went up to the ridge of the hill country, saying, Here we are. We have indeed sinned, but we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised. So even after they're told, okay, you're going to go die in the wilderness, they wake up the next morning and they go, no, we're going to go do what we're supposed to do now. So again, you just kind of see that lack of connection with the children of Israel and what the Lord is telling them they should do. And then even after the punishment is levied on them, um, they're saying, no, let's go up and conquer the nation now. So, and the reason I bring that up is I think we're going to see that same pattern again with this account of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Um, and so uh, that rebellion, that rebellious idea continues with, with these people. So let's all turn over to chapter 16. And I'd like to read some of these verses. Uh, the plan, my plan for this evening, I'm kind of using Dad's lesson. I'm kind of not. Um, I'm going to go through and talk a little bit about the story. It's been maybe the, the next five or so minutes. But then I want us to talk about and think about the why behind why they continued to rebel. And, and in this specific situation, why Korah, Dathan, and Abiram and the 250 men rebelled. And then what lessons can we learn from it? So the bulk of our time are going to be spent on the why and, and how can we apply it to us. But before we do that, I wanted us to go through the story at least briefly. 
this account at least briefly. So if you'll turn with me uh, in chapter 16, I'm going to begin and I'm going to read, I guess, the first um, 10 or 11 verses or so just to, to, to give us uh, this account. So in verse 1, now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took action. They rose up against uh, they rose up before Moses together with some of the sons of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, chosen in the assembly, of, chosen in the assembly, men of a renown. They assembled together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, "You have gone far enough, for all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is in their midst. So why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord?" Moses heard this, he fell on his face. And he spoke to Korah and his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will bring him near to himself. Even the one whom he will choose, he will bring, him, bring near to himself. Do this. Take censers for yourself, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them, lay incense upon them, the presence of the Lord t- tomorrow. And the men whom the Lord chose shall be the one who is holy. You have gone far enough, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it not enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before the congregation, to minister to them, And that he has brought you near Korah and all your brothers, sons of Levi, with you. And and are you seeking for the priesthood also? Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. But as for Aaron, who is he that you grumble against him? And so we see, um, at least at this point, it's it's primarily Korah and the 250 men that are named um, that are showing that uh, rebellion. Uh, are initially uh, in the, in this part of the story, and so who is Coral? We've we've already seen our uh, before we go there. You see his main statement in verse thir- three. Korah speaking, "You've gone far enough." Speaking to Moses, "Gone far enough for all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is in in their midst. So why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord?" So he's calling Moses out. Um, but I think we'll, we'll touch on later. It's obviously calling the Lord out also um, and calling, challenging who the Lord, uh, that being Moses, has put in charge. But who is Korah? So we read in, in these early verses, Korah is of the tribe of Levi, the grandson of Kohath. And so although he's a, a, of the tribe of Levi, he's not of the lineage of Aaron. So had no... Um, God had not given that lineage the, the priesthood as far as the high priesthood. So he worked in the, the temple that that family did. If we go back and look in Numbers chapter 4, the, the family of Kohath was responsible for wrapping the different implements, the different emblems that are in the tabernacle and taking the tabernacle down, hauling, carrying the, the different implements, the different parts of the tabernacle, and, and carrying the ark itself. So pretty significant role when you think about their responsibility within the whole um, nation of Israel. 
Um, the 250 men of renown, obviously we don't have a ton of detail about them, but I do think it's important for us to, to take note. Men of renown. These aren't just, you know, kind of the scruff, rough people that are out around, that are on the edges of, of the, the nation of Israel, that are maybe the outcast. These are prominent men within the nation. These are men that, that would be, the way I take it, known to everyone around them. They would be leaders within the nation. So, so not only Korah is stepping up and challenging Moses, challenging Aaron, as we've read, but a significant number of the leaders within the nation of Israel is coming and challenging, challenging Moses. Um, Again, I think it's, it's the, just a continuation of that same story that we've seen time and time again within the nation of Israel. Um, in verses 12 through 14 in chapter six, 16, uh, Moses went up and summoned Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, but they said, we will not come up. So you see Dathan and Abiram, that's, that, that part of this story uh, that's coming in. Um, and so, reading on down, um, is it not enough that you have brought us, and again, this is Dathan and Abiram speaking, not enough that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to have us die in the wilderness, but you have also lorded it over us. Indeed, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor have you given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Would you put out our eyes, the... Uh, would you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Moses became very angry um, and said to the Lord, do not regard their offering. So you see him after the challenge with Korah, Dathan, uh, with Korah and the 250 calling, reaching out to Dathan and Abiram. Um, but they, they said their response was, we won't come to you. We won't come to your aid. We won't come and support you. Uh, would you also appoint yourself master over us? So although by all accounts it doesn't appear that those two individuals were there among the 250, they are backing that, that rebellion um, completely. Um, so with Dathan and Abiram, we know from that earlier uh, verse 1, they are Reubenites. Um, so I think it's interesting here and again in reading and doing a little bit of research and thinking about this, Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob. Obviously lost that kind of leadership ability because of the sins of Reuben. Uh, so you, you have to wonder whether this was brought up as kind of a part of that. Um, you know, these, these individuals might have been the leaders within the, the tribe of Reuben. And, you know, there might still be some, um, some frustrations because their, their tribe is not, uh, you know, in that kind of leadership role. Again, just a thought there. Um, so, continuing on again, I want us to kind of scoot through the story pretty quickly and then get to more of the application side of it. But uh, what was God's response to the rebellion? So let's go back to, to the chapter um, and see in verse uh, 21, um, but um, they fell on their, their faces and said, O oh God, Thou God of the spirits of the flesh, when one man sent, I'm sorry, this is where, um, this is where Mo, um, Moses has responded, but let's, let's back up to verse 20. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourself from among this congregation, that I may consume them instantly. 
But they fell on their faces and said, O God, thou God of the spirits of all flesh, when one man sins, wilt thou be angry with the entire congregation? Continues in 24, God speaking again, speak to the congregation saying, get back from around the dwellings of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses arose and went to Dathan and Abiram and the elders of Israel following him um, and told them in the following verses to, to get away from uh, the, their tents. Skipping down um, in verse 28, And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these deeds. And this is not my doing. These men die the death of all men, or if they suffer the fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about the an entirety, entirely new thing, and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all of that is theirs, and they descend alive into shield, then you will understand that these men have spurned the Lord. It came about as he was finishing speaking all these words that the ground was under them split open, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up in their households, and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. So they and all the belongings to them all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them. So we see that opened up and swallowed them. Um, again, Moses, in going back to, to verse 28, by this you'll know that the Lord has sent me to do that, to do this. Um, so the, the Lord obviously had put, and we'll look at this in a little bit, Moses into power. The Lord had a special, unique relationship with Moses, and, and these men, in my opinion, should have seen that and known that by this point. But again, back to the whole idea of rebellion in these individuals, and, and a large percentage of the, the nation of Israel were wanting to do what was right for them rather than follow the leader that God had put in place. Um, in verse 35, continuing on, fire also came forth from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. So not only did the, the earth open up and, and swallow Dathan and Abiram and their, their households, but the 250 were also consumed. Um, and so, you know, I guess the, the big takeaway with this for me is, you know, God will not tolerate rebellion. And we can, we can talk about that in a second when we talk about the application for us. But before I go there, I want us to talk, I guess, let me pause. I've kind of blown through that. Any comments about this account, this story? Um, I know I didn't go into a ton of detail, but I didn't do that intentionally. Um, any other comments that I missed that y'all would like to make around the story before we get into the application? Um, so why, this is the first question, and I want people to participate now. Why did, the, did they rebel? I think, uh, I think it makes sense, at, you know, from just a, a physical perspective, why they rebelled. Because at, at, at this point in time, they rebelled, they're not going to get to go into the promised land. And so their, their accusation of Moses is I think, you know, we can understand that accusation, I guess, from their perspective of he brought us out into this, uh, this wilderness saying that we're going to be led into a land of milk and honey, and now we're not going to get there and we're going to die. So, so you brought us out here to die. And 
and that's an oversimplification, obviously. They're, the reason why they didn't get that land is their own, um, but, but I think you can kind of understand why they're making that accusation and why they're rebelling. They're, they're going to try and change their fate, um, as it were, in their own hands, and, and it's just not, not going to happen. Yeah, I, I'll hold on to that one up here. So you already kind of hit my first point because um, I took it in two different directions. You know, I think that, that, that they, admit they wanted more power because they were going to try to rectify this problem themselves. Um, you know, if, if you look in these verses in verse 21, um, um, God saying to Moses and Aaron, that we, and we read earlier, separate yourself from this whole congregation. I'm about to destroy them all. Moses interceded. Um, they wanted, uh, God initially wanted to punish the whole congregation, um, but in turn, um, he only punished Korah, Dathan, and Byram. And the point there is, those were the core and the 250 that were leading this rebellion in order to get more power. Uh, if you look at some of the different verses um, in, within this chapter, uh, verse 10, uh, Korah, and you are seeking for the priesthood also. Uh, verse 30 uh, and following um, that whole challenge of, of who is chosen by God and who is chosen um, as their leader, and then obviously the, the fire consuming them. So some, I think, we've seen in our lives and, and in all walks of life will strive for more power. But to Mitch's point, I, I completely agree. I think they were seeking that power um, because they weren't happy with what the consequences of their actions were. And so I thought about that some, and you, you wonder how much of their dissatisfaction with their punishment consequences of their own action led to this, uh, led to this rebellion. I completely agree with that. And I think, again, we can think about that in our day-to-day -day lives. How often do people around us make poor decisions and then have to face the consequences of it, and then they're not happy about the consequences and complain, grumble, and maybe start trying to blame others? You know, when things go bad, who's the first person that gets blamed? whoever's at the top. Um, and so that's what they did here. They started blaming Moses when in all reality, uh, it, it wasn't Moses' problem. Moses tried to get them to do what was right, tried to lead them where they needed to be led, but uh, they refused. So you, you and I were thinking along the same lines, and I don't know if that's good for you or not. Um, what, why, else, why else did they rebel? I think uh, it might be something along the lines of they didn't know who God was. Uh, they didn't know what he had uh, done. For, I mean, even though they, they were aware of it, they didn't know from the beginning mm -hmm. what God had done for them mm -hmm. and that he was the one that appointed Moses and Aaron and, and all the rest of them. Yeah. And... Um so again, I don't know if it's, we, we're all on the same wavelength or maybe it's just kind of the obvious kind of path. I was kind of thinking the same thing and, and kind of the similar um, light is they forgot 
They forgot their history. They forgot what all God had done. They forgot who God was uh, to a certain extent. And I thought about, obviously we made the, the comment already earlier, about all those things that these individuals had seen coming out of the, the uh, Egyptian captivity. Uh, they had seen the, the waters parted in the Red Sea. They had seen water coming from a rock. They had seen all of these you know, food manna provided for them day after day. They had seen the, the cloud by day and the, the fire by night. All of these things you see God's, God's hand guiding them, leading them, um, but they forgot um, who, who they were. Um, and again, I think it's not unique to this situation. I go back to that passage I read in chapter 14. The punishment had been levied against them. And the next day, they're like, okay, now we're going to go take the land. Well, they had the, like I joked with, I joke with um, um, my kids, they had the short-term memory of a gnat. You know, they, one minute they're, they're facing a situation, they do the wrong thing, and they completely forget what God's told them. Uh, they completely forget what guidance um, they've been given. Um, I think you can look in this chapter and see that. In verse 13, is it not enough that you, you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to have, have us die in this wilderness? Was Egypt a land flowing with milk and honey for the, for the Israelites? Far from it. You know, you think about what they endured towards the end there in particular, um, what Egypt was really like, and they completely forgot that. Um, so, you know, I, again, I kind of go back to some of the comments that, that um, made with, with Mitch. I think they were hoping by putting a new leader in that they could avoid the consequences of their action, but, but God, God doesn't change, you know, and that's one of the things they forgot. Other thoughts, so very, again, maybe good or bad that we're thinking along the same lines. I would just say this probably goes with your first bullet point there, that pride was a part of that mm -hmm. rebellion as well. Yeah. So yeah, pride, I, I think you think about it, they're, they're, they're saying, I can do it better. You know, Moses, you've made poor decisions, you've led us incorrectly, we can do better. Korah felt he could do better, and, and Korah was obviously challenging Aaron also from a high priest standpoint. So yeah, definitely a pride. Nate? I was thinking also, going along with you, forgot their history. Not only did they forget all the good that God did, but they forgot the times when they rebelled against God in the past, and he punished them. Yeah. So, again, maybe good, maybe bad, but I, I thought about the same thing. They had forgotten about God's power. Um, they had forgotten about those previous rebellions. And you think about it, and we talked about some of them, but, you know, the golden calf. Um, you, you think about their grumblings all the way along, um, the, the bitter water, and how he dealt with it, sometimes with, with mercy, uh, but sometimes, you know, with punishment. Um, uh, you think about, um, again, I think about how they, they challenged, uh, Aaron and Miriam challenged Moses back in chapter 12. Um, and God told them, my relationship with Moses is different. Um, and and dealt with that rebellion. And so again, 
you see them challenging and challenging. The other, the other verse I thought was interesting. Let's turn over to, uh, to Numbers chapter 26. Again, ahead a little bit. Hopefully I'm not stealing uh, any of David, uh, Dad's later lessons. Numbers chapter 26 and verse 9. Um, the sons of Iliad, uh, let's skip down. Um, let's see. These are the... Uh, these are Dathan and Abiram who were called by the congregation who contended against Moses and against Aaron, the company of Korah. When they contended against the Lord and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them up along with Korah, when the company died and when the fire devoured 250 men so that they became, so they became a warning. The main thing there that I'm thinking that I wanted to take note of is at the end of verse 9, when they contended against the Lord. Uh, they weren't just rebelling against Moses or rebelling and challenging uh, Aaron. Um, they're challenging the Lord. And they had forgotten his power. Again, you think broader than just the, their, what God had done to those who rebelled against him and what he had done with the Israelites. You think about what he did to a nation of Egypt um, and the power that he displayed uh, with, with the plagues, with conquering their army, at that time, Egypt was the world power, and God you know, thought nothing. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't a, a feat for him, um, and they forgot that power. They forgot what, um, and, and again, you can go back to chapter 14. They forgot that power when they were told they can come in and conquer the land, too. Uh, so again, continued broken record. Other thoughts on why... Um, other, other thoughts on why they might have rebelled. Those were the big ones that I had. And so, um, Dave? You know, I, I always reflect back on, on how the story is really about us and why did they rebel against God? The same reason we rebel against God. The same re reason we sin against God. Because whether it's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or pride of life, we sin against God because we choose to. We want yeah. to. Yeah. At least in the moment, we put our own desires and our own, our own wants and wishes above that of God. Yeah. So kind of a, a good segue into the next section is, you know, what lessons can we learn? So, you know, not putting... Not putting ourselves before God, not putting our own desires, our own wishes ahead of, of God's will. Um, what else, though? So I'll start us out with the first one is don't rebel. Um, and that might be kind of a, an, an obvious one. And I threw up, I put a, a couple of passages up here is Isaiah chapter one, chapter one, verse 19 uh, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Um, and then in 1 Samuel chapter 15, rebellion is as reprehensible as the sin of divination. Insubordination is as re reprehensible as false religion or idolatry. So uh, God is giving to, through Isaiah the consequences of rebellion, and but also saying that, that um, pointing out the, that they will be devoured. Obviously, we might not face that immediate consequence of, of a rebellion, but 
we still face the exact same consequences spiritually. Um, and, and in Samuel, aligning that rebellion to, to divination, re- aligning that rebellion to, to idolatry. Um, and so you see how God views rebellion. Uh, any disobedience, any diversion from his will uh, is rebellion. What else, what other lessons can we learn from this? Don't forget. Don't forget. Keep in, remember, um, I've got that up here. Kind of know God's word and remember what God has done for us. What else? Submit yourself to authority. Submit yourself to authority. I've got that one up there. Um, so I'll go ahead and jump ahead. Um, the, fir- the, first, the next one I had was is, is we should remain humble. Um, kind of back to... Um, what John had mentioned, uh, the pride that um, Korah and Dathan and Byram showed in trying to take over and usurp the leadership uh, of Moses and Aaron, um, we, we should remain humble. Uh, I, think, I think in this chapter, chapter 16, um, Moses is confronted by uh, Korah and the 250. And what was his response? You look at verse 4, Moses heard this, he fell on his face. So we don't know exactly why he fell on his face, but I would speculate that it wasn't because he feared these men, it wasn't because he was bowing before these men, I, I would su- suggest to you he was bowing before the Lord. Um, maybe praying, maybe asking for guidance, um, maybe, maybe doing the old count to ten and cool off a little bit before you respond to somebody who's confronting you or maybe a little bit of all of that. But my, my point in saying all that is, Moses, um, if I was in his shoes, I probably would have lashed out and said, who do you think you are? But that's not Moses' response. I think he took a moment, consulted with the Lord, and then gave the Lord's response to them. Um, gave, him, gave them the response that God would have um, given them. Uh, and so I think we should take that as an example from a submission standpoint. You know, there's multiple verses out there that help us understand that. Uh, in Matthew chapter 20, uh, Christ speaking, whoever wants to be prominent among you shall be your servant. And so in, from, a, from a Christ teaching, from kind of the, uh, a lot of the core principles in the New Testament is about being that humble servant. Um, back to Bruce's comment. So, comments around humility before I move on. Okay. To Bruce's comment, we submit to authority. Um, Moses had been set up by God as authority within the nation of Israel. Um, And so, we should take that, obviously, as an example. And there's multiple passages that speak to that same comment or that same thought. Romans chapter 3 Every person is to be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except given from God. So God gave Moses the authority. Same thing is true with us. Our presidents, in some countries, kings, uh, parliaments, those men, those women are put in place by God. We should give them the, the respect that, that is deserved because they don't have, the only way they have that authority is, is by God. Um, Hebrews 13, verse 7 is speaking more to, to the, um, those that look after your souls. So obey the leaders and submit to them. They keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. 
Um, so um, submit to our elders. Uh, submit to our elders in their leadership. Um, I don't know who it was, but um, trust in God or know the word. Uh, remain. Uh, remember what God has done. Um, and, and the reason I put up some of the Psalms, so what happened to, was, was Korah's, was Dathan, was Abiram, were all of their families destroyed? Let's just say Korah. Was Korah's family completely gone, decimated? No. Yeah, so there was some. You know, we don't know by this account in, in, um, in numbers, but we know um, because of some of these psalms. These are some of the psalms of, of the, the, um, the descendants of Korah. So in, in Psalm 42... Um, it's a passage or a, a psalm that we're all going to be fairly familiar with because there's a, a song that we sing. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God and for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And so we should seek after God. We should seek his word. We, could, we should seek his guidance. We should seek humbly uh, and seek to be his servant as this deer pants for water. Notice when you're reading, I believe it's from chapter 26 earlier, mm-hmm. the next verse after where you stopped said that the sons of Korah didn't die. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so some of the sons continued. And, and the, the reason um, I also bring these passages up in, in, in Psalm 46 is that God is our refuge and strength is, is one of the phrases there. So you see his sons... Um, praising the Lord and, and by all accounts in these psalms, trying to humbly serve the Lord. Um, and I think that tells um, me two things. Um, you know, if we seek the Lord and we seek His mercy and His grace and forgiveness, you know, even though these individuals came from, you know, a rebellious father or a rebellious grandfather, they still continue to serve um, in, in, um, in the Lord's... Um, house in in his um, in his kingdom, and so that kind of gets me to the last point. There is his grace and his mercy. Uh, you see, Samuel was one of Korah's descendants. Uh, you see, in chapter nine of First Chronicles, they continued to serve in the tabernacle. In First Chronicles twelve, um, a number of the David's military men were uh, were of the, the the descendants of Korah. Uh, and like I said, there's also a number of psalms that were written. Um, so, again, I think that we can, we can remember his power, remember that we need to trust in him, but also remember his grace. Um, so in, in the remember God's power um, is just the consequences of the rebellion. If we go back to Numbers chapter 16 briefly, because we're running up against time, um, what was... What would, what were the were Aaron and, and Moses instructed to do with those uh, um, censers that were used to burn the um, the incense by the two hundred fifty men? Yeah, hammer them into a covering. So in in chapter thirty seven, uh, chapter sixteen, verse thirty seven. Um, you shall take up the censers out of the midst of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the burnt coals abroad. The censers, in verse 38, of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives, 
them be hammered into sheets for a plating of the altar as a remembrance. And so we got to remember God's power uh, and remember, although we're far removed from this story from a time standpoint, at least in our, our um, understanding of time, it still should serve as an example for us consequences of rebellion and still should be that same kind of remembrance that these uh, these censors were um, um, used for. <clears throat> so we're at about time. Any other final comments before we call it a day? Bruce? We like to dwell on the mercy and grace and it's good and God's faithfulness but we also need to remember God is a God of wrath to those who abuse his word who pervert his word those who rebel against him and that wrath uh, we see here God wanted to just eliminate them in a second in an instant I believe yours, your translation said uh, God has that power and what a, what a fearful thing it is to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah, we need to remember that. I, I think the other thing that I take away and, and feel for Moses, there's many times when, again, Moses, and that's probably a, a Captain Obvious statement, far better man than me. If he, God would have said, step aside, I'm going to destroy him, I probably would have gone, do what you need to do, God. Um, but he kept interceding for them. Um, and so I think it's, it was God's plan. But God is a God of wrath, and there will be punishment for those rebels. In the same way as if we rebelled, there will be punishment for us. Thank you guys for your participation.